Hello there, and welcome to our podcast, Conversations in Noosa. My name is John Caruso. I knew nothing of Renate Luca's life. However, what unfolded in the podcast you're about to hear is an open, honest, sometimes emotional journey that covers Renate's childhood from when she was given up for adoption, meeting her biological mother, coming out and fighting for her rights to be gay, and then changing her sexuality to marry her current partner, Roberto, who also had lived an openly gay life. We discuss how she's lost friends along the way who disagree with her belief that sexuality is a choice. And we talk about raising kids. We start the podcast with the story of Renate's 17-year-old biological mum giving her up on New Year's Day. Born in Melbourne and, and I was adopted and I got sent away. My mother um, that adopted me, she was 17. So I got sent to Melbourne to be born on New Year's Day, would you believe? And then my parents that adopted me raised me in New Guinea. So I've had a, I've had a really interesting life. Just recap that bit a bit again. You, you were sent to Melbourne to be. What does that mean? So my birth, my biological, biological mother mom. was seventeen, and she yeah. wasn't. She was. There was a lot of shame around. Understand. her being pregnant. She didn't. She wasn't married. She didn't have a partner. Well, she did have a partner, but it was not really cool. So and the idea was she would give birth. In Give Melbourne, birth, and then put, no one would know. Put you up for adoption. Yeah, my parents that raised me were really great. They never made a fuss. You know, they just always. They, I think, Mum reckons that she held us in her arms, and she used to say, "You're adopted, darling. You were you were wanted by us." And I don't think that she ever. It was never a big deal. I didn't find out when I was ten. You know, and Mum suddenly says, "You know, we're not your real parents." So I didn't have any trauma around that. But I do know that <clears throat> the trauma for me probably was later on in life when I kind of looked at it in a different view and thought, shit, I don't think I was really wanted, you know. From How a, old were you when, when you had those kind of thoughts? Around 13, 12, 13, 14, that terrible time, you know, yeah. like who am I, what am I doing, where am I going, that kind yeah. of thing. Even though, And naughty, I was naughty. I was expelled from school, so yeah. I was really naughty and they didn't – then I started to question, who am I about? What am I doing? Who are my parents? Why don't I look like anyone? All of that. I reckon yeah. it's natural within whether you're biological or not. You like you want to question your roots. You want to question who you're about. You know, all of that. Yeah. I think everyone does it. And what did you do? Did you seek the comfort or help from other people that were in the same similar situation to find out where to from here? There weren't very should many. I, should I track down my biological mum? There weren't very many at boarding school at that time and certainly we didn't talk about it. I think I used to think about it a lot but never talked and then got over myself a little bit. You know, I got a bit older and when I was 18, Dad um, came and said to me, you know, you have a legal right to find out who your biological parents are if you want to. And I was kind of in between being a good girl by that stage and had got over myself and said to said to Dad, oh, no, it's all right, Dad. I'm a bit nervous about, you know, upsetting them because it's a big deal, you know. Suddenly you want to go and find out who your real parents are and the parents that have raised you and done a bloody good job probably felt a little bit insecure and I think I realised that. Anyway, long story short, I ended up finding out, I wrote to the adoption centre, I told them that I didn't want to find out my birth parents, that I was a very happy girl, that I'd been told I had the right to, but 
um, this is what my life looked at that looked like at the time. Anyway, the adoption centre they took the liberty of writing to me, wrote back and said, "At the end of this year, we're closing down all our resources. All the files will be going and held somewhere else. It'll be very difficult to track down any information about your biological family. We want to tell you X, Y, Z." So they told me. Even though you'd said to them clearly yeah, yeah. that you you did not want to find out. Yeah, yeah. I've still right. got the letter. It's wow. quite amazing. <clears throat> so I was 18. I saw this. I, everything that I had told them about myself almost came, was a mirror image in what my mother, biological mother, had actually got up to and was up to in her life at the time. It was amazing, John. And I looked at this letter and I thought... Oh my God! There's my biological mother's name, her phone number. She lives in Sydney. She was, she was in radio. Her husband was an ABC executive in Sydney. My lights are going ding, 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 and I'm like, Oh my God! You know, I think I should know who she is. I picked up the phone, totally unaware of the repercussions, and I got to meet her. But I kept it a secret from my birth, my bio, my my the mum that had raised me for. Till I was thirty-five. But even though her partner had come to you and said, "Look, it's it's we're completely fine with it." Yeah. Yeah. What were the repercussions? Mm, well, we had a really interesting relationship to begin with. It was clearly um, it was just strange. There was lots of alcohol. It was really weird at the beginning. We. We didn't really get to know each other very well. It was on a very surface level. You could tell that there was heaps of like guilt and lots of pain and questions to be she asked. She was restrained. That never, she wasn't very completely friend. restrained. She wasn't very. She was warm, but only when we, you know, we'd go out for dinner and we'd drink a bit, and it but was did weird. Discuss with you at all that over the years she had wondered, thought about you, she wanted used to, to know what you would. Yeah, any of that? Yeah, 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 yeah. She used to say on the 1st of January, which was my birthday, that she used to think about me. She'd light a candle and she'd think about me every single year. And it broke her heart. But that was the most vulnerable she ever really got. It was really tricky because I went through this stage where I didn't want to know about how she felt. And then, the, then it came to a point where I thought, no, I do actually want to have a connection with her that's a lot richer and deeper and more truthful about, you know, who how it was for her. But we got to that point, and I guess that was probably when I was in my 30s, I, she didn't want to talk about it. It got too tough. And so we, the relationship then kind of got a bit strained. It was tricky. And now it's probably quite tricky because I'm at the stage where I actually, you know, I want to trace a family tree and I'm interested in my heritage and I want to, you know, find out from her how she felt, how she dealt with all of that, but she doesn't want to go there. So that's really hard. So when was the last time you spoke to her? Mm, probably two, three years ago. Okay. Yeah. And would it be often, once a year, twice? Before that, it was twi- about twice a year. She'd that's come it. up. She used to come up because she's okay. a travel writer and she, used to, she gets trips all around the world, half a luck. But she, she's really careful. She was really careful then. When I said to her, look, you know, this is not the sort of relationship I want to have with you. Where are you at? She couldn't really answer. So we would see each other quite infrequently. That, but, you know, that's all right. She's got a, she had twins. One of them died and one of them has sadly become a drug addict. And it, it's really hard to explain to people, but she, she wanted me to have this relationship where I would be big sister to this, her biological child, and I didn't have, I didn't, you know, here I am in my 30s, 40s, it's like, you've got to be kidding. I don't know this child. Yeah. And why can I, why should I suddenly, you know, 
be his big sister? Who is he? And, and he was in turmoil too, so I was like, yeah. oh, I can't, I, can't, I can't play that role. So that made it trickier. As I said, I didn't. I kept it a secret with mum and dad till I was 35, actually, and then my dad passed. So dad died and I did go to mum and I said, mum, I've got something to tell you. It was quite a revelation. She was quite relieved. She said, thank God you didn't tell me any earlier. Dad's Dad had died, but she said, thank God you didn't tell me any earlier because I don't think I would have coped. So I must have intuitively sensed that that was, you know, that that was there for her and she was happy for me. So it was quite good. She said, I don't really want to know much about it. Don't yeah. go telling me too many details, but I'm glad that, you yeah. know, you've done that. Can I ask you how, with this uh, background of adoption and then looking for your biological mum, how, how has that helped or hindered your relationship with your own kids? Mm, it's an interesting question, John. I've often, often asked myself and I think that it even um, affected me originally when I went to have children. So my max now is 19 and I reckon, if I'm to be very honest, I reckon that part of me wanting to create a child was based on my own really strong desire to know know a bloodline. So I hadn't I hadn't known what it was like to have biological family. So to have that, and I yearned for that. You know, I wanted true, true cousins. I wanted aunties and uncles that were real. I wanted my. Why isn't my grandmother my biological grandma? All the, all of that had been, you know, an umbrella over me for a long time in my life. And I think that when I went to get pregnant with Max, that there was part of me that definitely wanted. And I am super protective now, so I have this can be a problem. <laughs> you know, this desire to make sure that everything is really transparent, um, you know, nurturing and loving. And I don't know, I think it's affected me a lot, mm. probably more than I know. And the sense of family, I've been very keen to create family. It's funny because over that, over the years of wanting to have a strong family, the opposite has kind of happened every now and then, you know, like every now and then I go, oh, gosh, where are my siblings? That hasn't happened yeah. for me. So What, what I'm hearing is... I, is I have a, a, a very good friend who I've known for a very long time who yes. was uh, no mum and dad, came out from Vietnam. Yes. And she ended up getting um, a, a small tattoo of a jigsaw piece on her ankle. Mm. And what I'm hearing from you about wanting to know this bloodline or creating a bloodline and, and wondering where siblings are, she described, because I asked her about the, the jigsaw piece, she said, I feel like a jigsaw piece mm. without the puzzle. Mm. Like I want to understand mm. where and how I fit in. And I imagine that's... What Absolutely. kind of what you're saying as well? Yeah, yeah. You want to know that you belong, even though it's not necessarily about having you know being in bed with each other, so to speak. But like, you just want to know that you look like someone, or the curiosity of what you know. Who who am I like? That never, it never was really strong with me. That being said, you know, I had heaps of people who said, "God, you're like your mum." You know, the mum that raised me. Yeah. And I was, I am like her, but not from being biologically connected. No. And so when I met my biological father's family, oh, my God, it was quite incredible because I wasn't like my biological mother at all. But when I saw photos of him, I just was, it was just 
too much. Wow. Funnily enough, I happened to come across her by accident. She was um, heavily involved in the church in Adelaide and I didn't even know that she existed But and she didn't know that I existed. And she... We, we tracked her down through a priest in one of the churches in Adelaide who happened to whose husband happened to be into genealogy and w- took an interest in my story. And he found her. She was 87 years old. She rings me one night in Noosa when I'm in the bath and she says, I think I'm your grandmother. Wow. This is out of the blue. This is my, my dead father, biological father's mother. Yeah. It's a beautiful story. And she... She was really blown away. I sent her a photograph of me. She said, I can't bear to look at it. She said, you are so my son. You're my son. I look into your eyes and you are my son. It was so beautiful. And she said, you know, I can't bear to actually meet you because he's been dead for whatever, 40 years or something. And she said, you remind me of him. Wow. So that was really special. Those those sorts of, you know, experiences were beautiful. Do you get to share these kind of stories and opportunities with other people that yeah. have been through the same process? Sometimes it's really interesting how it comes out, you know, running the place that we run here. It's amazing why people come to us. You know, you probably find the same thing. I, I find it incredible when the right people walk in your door and they're they're just there for a weekend to stay the night and we get talking and, man, what comes out? (laughs) It's unbelievable. I had this beautiful man once from Toowoomba, John, who was like, who I don't know how it happened, but he, yeah, that's right, he said, my mum would really love it here. And I said, oh, my gosh, how amazing. Where's your mum? Who is your mum? Just a simple question, and then this story came out, and it was almost exactly like mine. So he shared for the first time in I don't know how long, many, many years, his story of how he felt quite isolated in his feelings around the situation and was quite relieved to talk to me. So, yeah, I do get to share. Yeah, I get to share with lots of people who... And I think that's the special thing about what Roberto and I have at our place is that we do – it is our mission to have a space where people can tell us anything. And I think that that's really special because they might have a glass of wine and sit down and we might do them dinner or something and then next minute they're giving us their life. <laughs> tell us about Roberto. How it's did you amazing. Meet, how did you meet him? Oh, God. Where did you meet him? Oh, it's a long story, John. No, he's Italian, right? <laughs> he's Italian. I love him and adore him. He's very Italian. He's what part Sicilian. Of oh, is he really? I'd say, well, I know I've met him Like you. T- yeah, we're all from You're Sicily. Sicilian, aren't you? Correct. Yeah. <coughs> Excuse me. He's from Stromboli. Yeah. Well, he's born in Fakatani in New Zealand, but he's, um, his family, both his mother and father, uh, were born in Stromboli, which is one of the Aeolian islands, and it's an active volcano to this day. So that's... That's the nature of our relationship is very <laughs> extremely deep and loving but very fiery. Mm-hmm. I met him. <laughs> oh, man. I met him um, many, many years ago in Brisbane. We, we Both of us were in hospitality. I used to work at the Hilton. He owned a restaurant with his brother in Brizzy. And um, we – I was um, – I was running a – street carnival in Brisbane at the time and he was he was doing a gig for World AIDS Day. Someone said, actually at the time, someone said to me, oh my gosh, you should meet my partner. You'd love him. We're doing a gig this Friday night. Come over. 
So I turned up. He was pouring champagne in one of those great big champagne fountains. So there was mm. champagne. And the whole street was celebrating. And I rolled up my sleeves. I saw him, took one look at him, went, oh, my God. If I wasn't, you know, hitched, I'd marry him. We were both gay. He was gay. I was gay. And there was no way that we were going to be together, ever, you know, no way. And I said to him, I'm here to help you. I believe your boyfriend's told me that I'd love you if I saw you and, I, and I'm and i here to help you. So I rolled up my sleeves, started pouring champagne and that was the beginning of a very beautiful friendship. <laughs> so we stayed friends. We were really good mates for a very long time. Three years into our relationship of friend being friends, I was, um, <laughs> oh, my God. I, this is how we met. I auditioned for NIDA because I wanted to be an actress. I was so old, 31, you know, and the guy said, the guys auditioning me said, why now, Renata? You know, what the hell? I said, well, why not? You know, here I am. It's okay, I'm 31. There's old actresses. So I didn't get in and I took him to dinner, Roberto this is. I took him to dinner and I said to him, look, I'm auditioning for NIDA. If I don't get into NIDA, I'd really like to have a baby. Would you like to be the father? And it was a beautiful moment. He didn't. I said, I'll give you time. You can go home and think about it. He said, no, 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 I would be honoured. I would love to be the father. And by this stage, we had a real love for each other. We were really good mates. We understood each other. But we weren't going to be together. And... Um, he said yes. So I gave him a year and he had – I gave him a year to get tests done because his partner was HIV positive and blah, 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 blah. And he goes and has his tests. He comes over. He says, yep, yeah, you know, time, this time, I said the time's right. So we had Max, created Max. And then about three years later when we'd moved to Noosa – I was doing some work and I said to him, I was doing some personal development work and I said, Roberto, I'm, we can't keep living like this. I said, I'm not gay. <laughs> and I said, I reckon we're supposed to be together. This is yeah. really a very soulful, deep connection. And so he went, I'm going to be joking. <laughs> you haven't got the right, you know, you're not right. He said this to you. Yeah, you're not. You haven't got the right bits. What are you talking about? I said, "Oh, darling, don't be ridiculous." I said, "Come on, I think, I think, you know, if yeah. you're honest with, if you sit with yourself and you ask yourself the question, what comes out?" And he objected for some time, about six months, and then he came to some realization. And I didn't push him; I just left him be. And he came to a realization and said, "Actually, you're right." And I and I remember the day I was driving Max home from school. I said, "Max, you know what?" Your dad, Bubbo, he calls him Bubbo. Bubbo and I are going to. <laughs> Do you know what that means? Yeah, like fool. Yeah. Your, who's that? Your son calls Roberta. He, yeah, Bubbo. Bubbo. Bubbo, which is father in real Italian, but idiot. Oh, did I say? Yeah, idiot, fool. Yeah. That's what I thought of. Yeah, yeah. Bubbo. <laughs> but, With no disrespect but intended. Not but, a bit, but there's Bubbo Natale, which is Father Christmas. <laughs> anyway, it's Bubbo. Bubbo and I are going to be together, and he's like, and he just, Max just looked at me and he said, good. And it was it was almost, uh, you know, these things that happen in life 
where everything lines up and it's mm. right. But we had, we had, you know, created it, but it was right. In terms of sexuality, it seemed like uh, Roberta was very black and white on the issue. Because, you know, they, they have these discussions about sexuality being f- fluid or like on a spectrum where it can, no, you don't, no, disagree, agree. For years and years and years and years, we'd spent our whole lives, both of us individually and together, fighting for our rights to be gay. Mm. So we had fought and fought and fought. And I was part of, we were both part, very significant part of Brisbane gay movement saying, you know, this is, and I had convinced my whole family to completely and utterly accept that I was born this way. Mm. So did he. Roman Catholic, you know, his family objected for a long time. Mine were a little better. Um, But we had worked so hard to prove that it was true and right and not changeable until... I realised, first of all, that it was changeable. Mm. I actually, it was true awareness when I realised that it was a choice. At some point, willingly, knowingly, consciously or not, we do decide. That's my, that's my experience. Mm. And it's his as well. I fought the realisation as well. I'm like, this can't be real. But, but the more, so I cleared an emo, a huge amount of emotional upset and difficulties mm. that I'd experienced in life around being loved and understood. And I cleared that and that, you know, gave a space for me to realise that it was just really stuff. I'd created a whole heap of stuff. Mm around who I was and who I was going to love and be with because that was the best I could do out of being, out of feeling like I mm. had less. How long have you been together now? We've, so that was 1996. Oh, long time. Yeah, and we got married. Or we, we, we officially got together, so changed our sexuality and officially got together in 2005 when we moved up here from Brizzy. Would you get... Other gay people or, or who would disagree with what you just said? Oh, unbelievably. Unbelievably. We lost nearly all our friends because we stood in the truth of what we felt had happened. Mm. So <clears throat> a lot of people, as I would have done, you know, if someone at 20, if someone had come to me when I was 25, 21, whatever age, because I'd been gay since I was a teen, if anyone came to me and said, you know, you're not, it's a choice, yeah. I would have hit them on the head. It was bullshit. No way, I'm not. But then isn't that a little bit hypocritical of, of you know, live the life you want to be, oh, but hang on a minute, you, you two can't do this. Yes, but that's what happens and that's what isn't revealed. A lot of people don't realise that that's actually what occurs. Mm. So the moment you step over the other side of the fence or you're a bit or you have a viewpoint that might challenge the status quo, you are, it's, it's a very tricky, it's a minefield actually. Wow. So we lost a lot of our friends. The only friends that I really do have now, I'd say that are still gay, great friends of mine, are probably all my ex-partners who understand. And funnily enough, along the journey, John, they used to say to me things like, you know, are you, you know, what about, we used to question it. Yeah. Is this real? What if we, you know, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So it's always kind of here, lingering, wondering, questioning. Yeah. But you, you, when you... When you develop a pers- personality that fits into a certain realm, yeah, then you play. You know, you said in your hardcore. message, you said in your message, Renata, you said this old duck's got lots of stories. I mean, again, from the adoption <laughs> to the, the sexuality, like the, <laughs> sorry, 
No, you don't need to apologise. I think it's, 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 it's astounding. You know, isn't life made up of all these great experiences? Yeah. Where then do you feel kind of, I don't know, as a, you know, as, as a, as a, as a mum to your kids, as a, as someone that offers advice and guidance, doesn't that, do you feel certainly empowered in that, that realm and going, look, I've got these, Great life experiences, and I've got these great stories, and mm. and like how can again? I just want you to talk about that relationship with your kids, mm. understanding now a bit more about you and your. Mm. I mean, doesn't that put you in a great? It doesn't. Do you, it doesn't because why I can be. It? Well, sometimes I can be a little bit. Um, how do you say? What is that? Like a little bit not. Well, belligerent about how it really is. So I, I find oh, you myself cut to the chase. Yeah. You, no, this is no, it. this is it. This is how it is. And mm-mm. yeah. So I'm, sometimes I'm not going to entertain any other kind of. Yeah. So I can be a little bit inflexible at times, and I yeah. find that a bit tricky. But at the same time, it has, it has supported me to be able to say to Max and to Angelina, you know, like, hey guys, we've walked, yeah, a journey. And funnily enough, we had a, an experience recently with Max and his girlfriend and we, it was a little tricky. And Max said to his girlfriend, um, she said, do you listen to your parents and everything they say? Mm. Do you listen to them and the advice that they give? And Max said, well, they are wise. They are my parents and they have walked a long journey. So I think that I owe them the respect of listening to them, and I and I think that that is an incredible, like testimony to the fact that he trusts us and knows that we have been through some stuff, mm. and that we do we are legitimate in our parenting. And you know, I talk to him about anything. I love talking to Max about things. So that, and I think that both of us, Rob and I, have both had such a rich set of experiences in life that we can can talk about anything. Mm. Hey, I really appreciate you coming in and sharing some of your stories. <laughs> Great. Thanks, Fantastic, John. remarkable stories. I really enjoyed it. Thank you. Thanks heaps. What a story, hey? Renate Luca was my guest today on Conversations in Noosa. And if you enjoyed that podcast and you think, well, uh, it might resonate or connect with someone I know, a family member, a friend, please feel free to share the podcast about on your social media channels. Until next time, Take care.